thanks for watching or listening to episode 35 of VIP Boxing's Bell to Bell podcast. Whether you're watching us on VIP's YouTube channel or downloaded for a listen on iTunes or Spotify, if you can leave a review, we'd really re appreciate it. And I'm Steve Lillis, and as usual, my co-host, um, John Evans. How are you, John? Very good, Steve. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm good. And I've uh, got a very special guest this week, a fellow who's making a name for himself as a trainer, but he's been around quite a bit. He's, a, he's maybe a bit older than what he looks, I think. So I've known him for too long, I think. Um, a man who improves all the boxes that go to his stable is Robert Rimmer. And Robert, I could almost shout to your house down the road here. You're, you're nearer than John. How are you, mate? I'm good, mate. Thanks for having me on. Um, I'm looking forward to it, mate. Yeah. yeah. Come on. Things are good. Life's good. The gym's booming, so, you know, I can't ask for much more, if I'm honest. Yeah, I mean, I was at, I was at your gym the other week, where, or not the other week, a month, about two months ago, April the 6th it was, and you was in, I think, Poland with Jack Massey, and there was oh, a million yeah. and one kids that are yours trained in there. How many kids do you actually train? Do you know, um, at the moment, I mean, see, with the lockdown situation, what had happened was, um, obviously the pros was all right, no, okay to train and stuff, and then I had, had a couple of the lads... Um, the young amateur kids at different different gyms. The dads were ringing me towards the end when the restrictions started to get a little bit more easier, saying, oh, could they come along and just do a bit of a session? So I allowed him. Um, and most of them just stuck to it, you know, because not only improved boxing ability, but the weights and stuff like that have all come down. And, you know, amateur clubs are now starting to open back up again. So it's uh, it's reaped dividends for them all. So in terms of pros for me, I've got... Well, I've had Ryan Doyle come back now. I've got about six or seven. Six or seven. Bizarre. I thought, and then you, but you're getting quite a lot of the amateurs then coming in, who I dare say, who are looking at joining with you in a year, two years, whenever they're ready to turn over. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, I do have an amateur club. Um, I'm just trying oh, I didn't to know find that. Yeah, I do have an amateur affiliated as well. Um, it, it was booming, obviously, to the COVID situation. Here. So um, at the moment, it kind of, I'm not busy with the pros, where I'd like to get involved a little bit more with the amateurs as well. But it's just finding a good, reliable coach that can be there and not be there once, twice a week. These kids need you there, you know, all the time, a bit of consistency to get the best out of them. So as soon as I find someone that's going to fit the job and then um, we'll be back up and running for the amateur side of stuff. Now, I was going to say, Rob, you, you've got a busy place, six or seven pros, but my, I'd make no bones about it, my favourite fight, Ruthless Ryan's coming back for yeah. one last go, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Do you know, listen, I just spoke to him earlier on the phone. Um, he's now, he's got a bit of a fresh start. Um, he's just signed with Kevin Marie. Um, and he kind of got that grip between his teeth. You know, Ryan's a quality fighter, Steve, as you know. You know, he's, he he brings an action-packed um, style. You know, that's why the TV love him. You know, he's there and you know he's going to be in a fight. Um, and it's just a case of, look, what do you want to do? You know, sat down with him, where do you want to go? There's no point in talking about what's happened before. We're talking about now it's a fresh start. Um, and I think he's going to come back at super featherweight. And listen, there's, there's, there's an array of fights there to be made for Ryan. You know, he's a name, former Commonwealth champion, English champion. But for me, the most important thing is, you know, sometimes fighters can hang on. Ryan's 27, he's still got a lot to give. He's not loads of miles on the clock. But he's in agreement with me. You know, this, this comeback fight, is going to be over six or eight, but that's his world title fight. He's got shine. He's got a really, you know, put on a, a proper, proper display so people sit up and take him serious because that's the only way them big fights are going to come after this. Yeah. Tell you what, I certainly loved in the night he beat Reese Bellotti. I remember John ringing oh. me that morning or messaging me and telling me to pile on. Yeah, do you know what? That, that was that was a night that, you know, sometimes in boxing, you know, you create some memories that last a lifetime. And it was one thing, you know, that was my first champion. 
and, and I said to you, John, didn't I, leading up to that fight, you know, we were totally wrote off. But, you know, sometimes you just get this feeling. Yeah. You just get this feeling, and that feeling, you know, there was never no doubt in my mind that he was going to get beaten. I know that Reese Bellotti at the time was no matching top prospect and yeah. big hitter and this, that, the other, but in my hearts of hearts and in my head, I knew Ryan was, was going to beat him. And, um, you know, everybody loved to write for you, couldn't, and we all come out, you know, with, with heavy pockets. It was, it was, you couldn't write. It was an unbelievable night. And it was, well, it was, it was one to remember, that's for sure. I remember watching it on, he's one of those nights, certain fights, they're not the biggest you'll ever see, but I'll never forget watching it on my TV. It was a midweek or <laughs> Wednesday night, I think, you know, so yeah, yeah. things you can remember. But anyway, look, we'll press on with the pod on how this works, Rob, because you're the first per- first time on it tonight, Robert. Um, we speak for three minutes for each round, and at the end of three minutes, what happens, John? He gets a bit angry here, Rob. Yeah, the bell comes in, Rob. He's an angry man. You see a side of Evans we don't know, mate. The rules, <laughs> rules are rules. Yeah, see what I mean? See, he's a bit of a stickler. I'll stick the line. All right, let's, let's, let's start with your first topic, John Evans. Yeah, Shakur Stevenson. He stunk it out last weekend, didn't he? You know, I, I'm a big Shakur Stevenson fan, first of all, but um, he's one of his generation of fighters that want to be... Floyd Mayweather, you know, the idolising, they want their entire career to be on pay-per-view, they want the big money and they're following that blueprint. Uh, Shakur might just be the most talented of that group, but he seems to be falling into a pretty dangerous pattern of safety first, you know, no risks, get the win and move on to the next one. And if you're going to become a star, if you're going to sell yourself, I, I think you've got to do a little bit more than that, especially someone as talented as, as Shakur. That was a penalty kick, weren't it? That's the type of title defence that every fighter dreams of. He could have looked a million dollars there. He could have really sold himself to everyone watching, got a stunning knockout and moved himself up. But he didn't do it. And you even had people like Tim Bradley and Andrew Ward saying they were falling asleep watching it. So uh, Shakur's next fight, sir, he's got to be big. You know, he's got to put on a performance next time. But yeah, there you know, go. I fully agree. And the fight, I mean, it's not the first time this has happened. You look at the last couple of fights, he's, he's kind of been the same. It's been a snooze fest. You know, and for someone who's such as a talent as Shakur Stevenson, you know, it's a case of the other night, it's only so, so much and so long you've been able to get away with doing that. But, you know, you've got people from top ranking around the world who were shouting him as a pound for pound. Now, that's a big shout to someone, you know, is he a top prospect or is he a pound for pound fighter? But you've got to have these top quality opposition in place. And like I said the other night, he banged on the money there, John. Like, you know, he had the opportunity there, you know, to grab, grab the, the attention of the audience and say, oof, this kid's a real deal. And, you know, he played it safe. Exactly that. Does it perhaps need someone who will make him work? Like, you know, a, a Jamil Herring fight should fire him up. Um, yeah. Oscar um, an Oscar Valdez fight would be huge. Could be one of these guys who suddenly we see him, he gets in the ring one night in a fight where he has to, he has to work. Like the other night, we all knew, you know, most yes, British fighters would have beat that guy comfortable the other night. Someone makes him work like a herring where he has to do it and he really turns up. I, I still got a lot of belief in him. I, I really have. Well, I think he's, he's, he's great. And when you're around him, he's a real character, Shakur. You know, he's, he's full of life. I've seen him having full-blown wrestling matches with Terence Crawford on hotel floors the night before Terence. He's fighting. You know, them two are really tight and Terence doesn't, take any bullshit does he you know Terence I assume has already been on the phone telling him to get rid of these guys so he's got right people around him he's got all the talent in the world he's got a massive promoter behind him it's all there for Shakur but it's just so frustrating watching him because we're not seeing what he's capable of 
Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, listen, his two best wins have probably come across, you know, against was it the, the, the ideas uh, and Gonzalez, you know, not, not not huge, huge names, but they're probably two of his best wins. But I think it's about time now, you know, that he does step up and he fights for someone like Jamel uh, Erin or, or Oscar Valdez. But for someone like him, I think when you, when you find... Uh, round two, the Boxer Boys. Um, we spoke about this last week. It's now been made public. Boxer are taking over the Sky contract. Ben Shalom and John Wishusen. I think by not giving no, any details of their British output until August, they're buying themselves time to see what names they can sell. But what, what, what I was thinking of, how hard is it going to be for Ben Shalom? Um, I don't really know, Ben. I think I spoke to him once. Um, to become the salesman for Sky. I mean, you look at Eddie Hearn's been doing that for the last decade, however many years he's been doing it. And Eddie has sat there at press conference and he sold fights that aren't the greatest brilliantly. You know, he could sell Bibles to, you know, a Vegas prostitute who deals drugs. You know, he's <laughs> that, he's, he's that, he, he's got that, 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 ma- it's that, that, you know, that's a praise to him, that, you know, saying that he's got that master craft. You know, we've seen him this afternoon selling the DAZN product um, with his shows in the garden. I'm just wondering how, how will Sky have someone at the front who can do that job? Because I'm not sure Ben might, he might not even fancy doing that. Who will be the salesman for Sky? How will they sell these fights properly? Well, Listen, you know, like you say, Eddie Earn can sell sand to the Arabs, you know, and, and, and he's got a big job in his hand, you know, some big, big shoes to fill going into the role that Eddie had. Um, like he says, he's magnificent at his job. Um, but again, he's, he's one of them. He's, he's, he's got a big, big job in his hands, but I think he's just great for British boxing, what's going on at the moment. And the fact that there's still the opportunity and that slot with Sky, you know, so it can only be great for, for all these up and coming boxers. And, Again, profile Sky is a huge, huge thing and a huge platform. So, I really does. I, I hope, I hope, I hope he does fill his boots and I hope he does do the job and and, and do a proper job. He's, he's got to hit the ground running, hasn't he? You know, the, yeah. the first time he's in front of cameras announcing a show, it's got to be good. You know, he's he's got to look the part, he's got to talk the part, and he's got to put a good fight on. I think. I just hope if you don't concentrate on making it an event, you know, like um, all razzmatazz and concentrating on the production, because at the end of the day, you've you can attract all the people you want, but at the end of the day, at some point, we're going to watch two four-round cruiserweights banging it out, aren't they? You can't dress that up. So the top of the bill has got to be good fights, and I, I think Ben's got to really, you know, pull his pants up straight away and, and hit the ground running here. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's that selling. That first press conference to the media is so vital. He looks the part, talks the part, because most of them guys are never going to see him at all. You know, I've never seen him before. Most of the, the journalists who who cover these sky fights, so he's got he's got to impress them. So with people who've had a who've had a relationship with, say, Hennessy, Warren, and Hearn for many years, who don't know him, and, he, and people underestimate how important that for them first. Imp- <laughs> Over to you, Rob. Your first one. You want to talk about promoters and their effect on fighters? Yeah, listen, promoters and egos. You know, and I think a lot of people will be. In, uh, in agreement with me, in, in agreement with me here. Um, you know, you've got a lot of young fighters, you know, national champions, ABA champions, kids who have been coming up the GB squad and stuff like that. And, you know, and I believe a lot of them, we you know, won't mention names, some big promoters. Um, and I think where the ego part comes in, I think you've got promoters now fighting to sign kids, fighting to sign kids. And these kids are coming with big ambitions, 
you know, that they're going to be fighting on these big platforms like Sky, BT, etc. And I see from what I see and from what everybody else sees at the moment, you know, you've got these promoters that have a pool of fighters. You know, you're promised, you know, maybe four fights a year, five fights a year, whatever it may be. You know, that's your fights, active and, you know, revenue. Um, and, you know, the big thing is where the Eagles get in place, you're too, you're too well bent on signing all these kids. They might have a syndicate of around 80 fighters, but listen, they know before they've signed them fighters that they've only got spaces for 40. So, you know, the contracts are not worth the paper they're written on. It's all about the promoter and not the fighter. And, you know, I feel something has to be done around it because they're killing fighters. You know, an activity is key, as you've seen with Josh Warrington, you know. Yeah. But like I said, you're turning over these ambitions, you know, the dream sold to you, you're on these big shows, and, and the reality is, it doesn't work that way. The carrot gets dangled, you know, before you know it, it's four, five, six, seven, eight months before you thought, oh no, you're going to be going again, you're going to be going again. I just think, you know, that's a big, big standpoint in, in boxing at the moment where, you know, these promoters, they're leaving a big ripple effect across the board for, for, for lads coming through, but not just lads coming through, you know, championship level fighters, you know, it's happening across the board. Oh yeah, yeah I'd agree, Rob. You get, um, for, I suppose the big risk is young kids, 18, 19, turning over, fighting three times in a year. Really, we should be fighting. If, if we're advanced kids, we should be fighting eight, nine, ten. If that little bit of fire goes out and someone has a big run, we just get overshadowed. We're fighting on undercards forever. The progress just halts, doesn't it? Well, yeah, it's, it's happening more and more often. They're, so, they're sold a dream, these guys, aren't they? That's what they're sold. They're sold yeah. that dream. But, you know, also, you know, what do you, do you, what do you think it is, Rob, that that blows his kid away to sign these things so quickly and maybe not go everywhere to see what's about? Is it because they just see the first figure that's ever been mentioned to them in their life? I think a lot of young fighters get blown away by profile, you know, and you've got the two the two leading horses in the race, you know, from, from, from Frank Warren and Matrim, and straight away you're blinded by the lights and the profile and you want to go, you know, signing with these big dogs. But again, you know, it's not always as rosy as it seems, you know, it's, it's, it's a long hard road to get to the top. And like I said, activity is key. But going back to the promoters who are, you know, sign, eager to sign these kids, and you see it time and time again, you might see them fight once and you think, oh, not seen him fight for 12 months. You know, and, and the thing is, you know, within these organisations... Uh, hey, come back to that one later if you want, Rob. Yeah, we'll go uh, back to that. Uh, the, ne the next one is, because you're on, Robin, and this struck home with me, Charlie Schofield getting an English title... I messaged you about it. You know, there's a, there's a lot of focus these days on getting people to world titles. And um, just to set the dogs playing the bell there. Um, but I don't think a lot of fans realise how difficult it is to win any kind of title. For a professional boxer to win a title, such a small percentage do it. And to do it with a fighter who's not got a deep amateur background, he's not had it all his own way, you know, he's not a, a hyped guy. I think it makes it all the more impressive, really, especially a guy like Charlie who had his difficulties. Like, I saw Charlie at Oldham Sports Centre get hurt a couple of times and I wouldn't have thought he, he would have won a title. Um, and you're probably at the level now, Rob, where fighters are looking at you, established title-level fighters are, are looking at you thinking, oh, will I give Rob Rimmer a chance? And the lessons you've learned with people like Charlie and other kids in your stable you've bought up from nothing, they're going to stand you instead for the rest of your career, aren't you? And, I was saying, well done, they getting Charlie Schofield an English title. I think it's a good achievement. You know yeah, what? Go on, John, sorry. I'll just be quick. I want to hear you on this, obviously. You know what? When I said at the start that you improve fighters, when I introduced you, it was yeah. Charlie that I was referring to. I'll be honest, I've seen Charlie box a couple of times on Steve's shows, and no disrespect to him at all. 
I'm with John. I didn't think he'd win a title. And he almost weren't far from stinking a place out, I thought, you know. But and yeah. the improvement, that, that's why I said you improve fighters. So, yeah, let's listen from you. And well done to you and well done to Charlie, by the way, yeah. more than anything. Thanks. Thanks very much. You know, listen, like I said, it's a work in progress. And, you know, we're learning all the time. But Charlie's probably the one, like I said, no disrespect to him, you probably look at, off his previous performances, you know, how far is he going to get? Something now central area, but to, to, to get an English title and to be out of the ring for two for two years and to take an opponent in which he got beat, you know, you know, it's credit to himself. But listen, what that kid lacks in talent, he makes up in hard work. And what we've been working on is using using them big long levers and and you know using his assets, keeping it simple, and you know the self belief, building on that confidence. And, and, and that's shown in that fight. He come out like a different fighter. He's shown he could have spite. Um, you know, he's shown he had a lovely jab, great attributes. And he's been able to, you know, use them attributes to the best of his ability. But like a Lawrence Coley situation in his last fight, you know, don't have to complicate things. Um, but, you know, listen, so made up for him. And, um, you know, I think he'll just be improving, be better and better each time. Yeah, you know what? What you said about he just... He, what he, he doesn't lack anything, what he what he gives you in training. And he obviously, that day I was at your gym filming for Fight Zone when you was in, in Poland, there was chaos in there that day. It was all boxers being filmed and everything. And he was just getting on, ignoring everybody. Did he spar, you know, was looked after. Then was just getting on doing his training and he's stretching himself. There could have been one person or a thousand. Oh. Round five. I tell you what, um, John, it's, back. it's Rosie in the garden. Eddie Earn announced his garden show today, and it's something you, you touched on about Sky would have to hit the ground running. I just think Eddie's hit the ground running with these fights, certainly at the top of the bill, that he's announced for um, August. Yeah, I'm just looking at the list here, if you're July 31st onwards. You know, um, Connor Ben, um, Adrian Granados, Kid Galahad, Jazza Dickens, you know, it's a world title fight. I don't think it'd be a thriller because, you know, we know what kids like. And Buatzi Bolotniks, which it could be, you know, which two, you know, world-class light heavyweights. They've hit the ground running. It's almost like when Frank Warren launched Box Nation in 2011. He launched it with the fight of the year, um, the Scottish kid against Ryan Walsh. Um, Appleby. Uh, Apple, yeah, Appleby, yeah. Paul Appleby against Ryan Walsh. Straight followed that with Bellew against Cleverly One and hit the ground running. And I think Eddie's done this with Fight Camp and the Zone. I, I really do. I just wondered, any there any fights, if you look to that list, Rob, that you really fancy as crackers? Do you know what I think? The Conor Ben fight. Really? I that, yeah, I think, you know, that, that that's, I mean, you look at his opponent, yeah, he's got some good names on his record. You know, he's, he's, lost, he's lost to top kids, Daddy Garcia, Broner, um, Sean Porter. You know, so I think that's a real test for him. You know, he, this is a kid who was raw. You know, started off and he's improved so much. You know, he was he was raw, no, nothing less. But now you look at his performances and he's just bouncing full of confidence. But I think that's a good test, good matchmaking and a good test. Um, but there's a few there's a few um, fights in that card. Um, Billum Smith and um, yeah. McCarthy, I'm looking forward to. That's one that I'm going to be looking at closely, obviously, because they have John Massey in my stable. But I'll let, again, Boatsy, I think Boatsy's in a fight as well. You know, Bolotniks, he's coming off good wins. Jose, uh, Jose Burton, um, Ward. So... Yeah, there's some, there's some great matches on there. And he, like I said, he's not playing games, Eddie. He, he was hit the ground running. I, I, I like Fowler against Garcia. You know what? Fowler took a bit of time to grow on me, but the last 18 months, he really has. I think moving down to Shane McGuigan, taking himself out his comfort zone, I think he's improved all round. You know, he's a calmer guy. 
he, I think his, his style's improved. He, he, he's been brutal, hasn't he, in a couple of tough recent fights. I think yeah, that's a real good fight. And Fowler's, if Fowler's struggling, he's going to go to war as well. I don't think you'll ever see Fowler in a boring fight, so I'm looking forward to that one. I think we should just go off topic. What we saying to you, um, Robert, about... Um, Improving fighters. Shane McGuigan done that. He done that. He done that with Fowler and you know Conor Ben. I, you mentioned there. I think the matchmaking with him has been absolutely fantastic. And again, like Charlie Schofield to a certain extent, when Conor made his debut, I didn't even have him out for a Southern Area title, let alone <laughs> fighting. <laughs> Last one, Rob. Final round. Um, Steve Gray on Saturday, Rob. Yeah, listen, very controversial decision. Um, I think a lot of people have mixed views on it. But I'm going to give my opinion for me as a trainer. You know, um, you could see, you know, Ritson was in a fight. Ponce was on him from round one. You know, he targeted the body. It was like chopping the tree. It was just, when was the tree going to fall? You could see he was wincing, he was hurting. And Ritson's as tough as they come. But, you know, the, the fight went on. The towel come in. And um, he wasn't really hurt at that time. But for me, when the towel come in, and Steve Gray, you look at the mannerisms of Ritson, he turned away. He didn't, want, he didn't want to continue to fight. Now, his trainer, he's not just his trainer, it's his dad. If he was a trainer, get to know your fighter inside out. You know, and, and these things that we would see that a referee wouldn't know, these signs, we pick up for them signs. And I think when you step up in levels at that level, you need to pick up for them signs because, listen, they, they prove pivotal. But, and, and it showed the corner for me was right because straight after it, after we threw it out, what happened? The tree fell. He got it with a body shot and it was over. So, I mean, what, what, what's your opinions on it? What, what, what would you what would you think? You know what? I made a note here. And Robert, I just I just made some notes on it. One, I said, Steve Ground Saturday, Robert's topic. Good official, but fighter safety come first. And when the towel come in, the resigned look on Lewis Ritson's face said it all. I think to stop this controversy, I know I'm told by a few people who have licenses, and you may know this, Robert, that... Um, Referees don't like towers coming in. They feel they're being a little bit overruled. I don't know. I've, I've been told that. I've never spoken to referees about it. But I just think fighter safety comes first and the board should bring in a rule that if a corner throws a towel in and stop it, the referee has to stop it. The fighter knows the better for, knows the fighter first. And whether that's his father or not, or not, he would have known Lewis Ritson over the years, that trainer, just like you would any fighter. I don't know what, you know, you, your, your take, John. Yeah, I, I, I listened to Buncey and Costello's podcast today and they were talking about this and I don't think there's anything new to add from what they said, really. I know he, the referee doesn't have to accept it, but I think that was a clear case where he should have done. You know, yeah. Lewis, at, Lewis at 140 hasn't been a knockout puncher, has he? No. At 135, he, you know, he, he beat Scott Cardle, who took it late and fought like a lunatic. He, he beat Joe Murray, who people around here know took it late and didn't really have much of a shot. And he looked like a real devastating puncher, but up at 140, he's not been getting it done, has he? So Lewis really had no way back into that. And when his dad's telling him that's the end of a fight, I, I think it should have been called to a halt there and then. And yeah. you know what? What, what you know, It was good to Steve Gray, the video that Matchroom released him going into the dressing room afterwards. But the fact Steve said he looked okay to me, you know, you know, I know they were body shots, but he'd been in distress for a couple rounds. So I'm surprised yeah. that Steve, you know, was still thinking that. But going a little bit off topic again now, just if, if you saw, um, I think it was a Facebook post or an Instagram post from Lewis Ritson last night, where um, he was really, really honest, you know, full of respect for him. And he just said, you know, what he's learned, um, you know, recently, maybe the last couple of fights is, he, you know, there's still fights for him out there. 
but not at that level. Yeah, fair play to him. At least he's being honest with himself, and that's all you can be. Because that Ponce, listen, from round one, you could see he was he was coming with bad intentions. He, um, when he was landing, you could see he was wincing, he was hurting. And it was, like I said, anything that he was throwing back, Ritson didn't really seem to have an effect. And um, he was just going one-sided. Yeah. So... Lewis didn't seem to try anything different. You know, there was a lot of rounds where, well, you can still win the fight, but you've got to get on. You've got to do something now. And he just wasn't doing it. It was almost as if he couldn't go through those gears to do that, which most probably, you know, he's referring to in that statement last night. Yeah, it's, it's the same with Vasquez, wasn't it? And Patera, when maybe that's the difference. You'll know way better than me, Rob. When you realise you've got a, a real championship level fight, if you've got that ability to to switch in a fight, you know, but they can change tactics, they can completely change tack if something's yeah. not working. Maybe, I like Lewis, very honest yeah. lad, and exciting to watch, but maybe Ooh. that's what's just going to hold Lewis back, he just lacking that that ability to just yeah. change Well, tactics. that's why they say these levels in boxing, don't they? Yeah. You know, so, you know, when you step up, you've got to be able to have that ability to change game, plan B, plan A's not working, have plan B, plan B's not there, have plan C, and be able to to go through the gears and, and change, change the, um, change the fight, but, Again, you know, it was kind of just one-sided. It was just, it was yeah. nothing really happening. I think that's why it was a great decision from the corner before, you know, taking any more punishment. Because he wouldn't, listen, he was going either. He was getting stopped to the body, but then he was protecting his body that much that he was leaving yeah, the jaw wide open. So it was only a matter of time. Yeah, yeah look, you know what? They, you know, there's still good fights out there for Lewis. I think it was Lee Eaton. Um, I think you know really well, Robert, was saying last night... Um, a good fight of him against Tyrone McKenna. Now, what a tear up that would be between those two, wouldn't it? That that would be a fight. You, you know, what a then about a boxing fight. What a cobbles fight that would be. Say so lock them both in a phone box. There's not yeah, you, You'd pay to go and watch that, wouldn't you? So yeah, there's still great fights out there for Lewis. And you know what? I wonder. I'd like to. I wonder what Steve Gray thinks three, four days on now after you know his decision. Because at the end of the day, Steve still had to make that split second decision. The other night to 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 throw that and if you do, I was more a bit perturbed by what he said in the dressing room that you looked okay. Yeah, I mean, listen, I mean, Steve Ray's a top referee. Yeah, he is. You know, yeah, he's, he's a top referee, and I think you know at that highest level, you know, it's, it's judgment. He's only human at the end of the day, and you know whether he was having, he was giving at that level. You know, we're not talking about an eight round, ten round fight. You know, this is an eliminator for a world title, so maybe he was just giving Lewis, you know, the benefit of the doubt and just seeing. But, you know, in hindsight, um, he could have gone either way. But, you know, I think it happened a few years ago. You probably remember it. Is it Katsidis? Katsidis. And Katsidis ended up getting knocked out. No, he got knocked down. He got a flash knockdown, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Was it a flash flash knockdown? Then he come back and battered Earl again, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. He got literally dropped the next punch after the towel coming, but then he got straight back up. And you know, great, you know, people gone about that, but he still took a lot of punishment. Not a lot. He took punishment he didn't need to take afterwards. Graham Hill. Yeah. That's it. So it's you know, for, for for me, you know, going back to the topic there, it's just the decision was right from the corner. Yeah, I'm with you. I always make the corner right. You know, let, let them argue about it afterwards. But if the trainer wants to stop the fight, let him. He's a person who knows that fighter and, 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 and should care for that fighter's health and safety or safety and health in that order more than anything else. Definitely. All right, then, fellas, I think we've overrun there. Um, Robert, thanks for coming on tonight. You can come back and join us in another month or two, I hope. Yeah, 100%, mate. Listen, thanks for having me on. You know, I, I love doing this. Anytime we can jump on, mate, um, it's always a pleasure. 
Yeah, see, so we knew you were a bit of a star on Fighter Zone last week. John told me, then a couple <laughs> other people mentioned your name. So you know that Robert Rimmer, didn't you? I said, what's he done to me? I said, no, nah. he said, no, nah, he was good talking boxing with Kevin the other week. Yeah, no, listen, it was a little opportunity, mate. You know, I loved it, you know, absolutely loved it. I mean, Alex Devin, like I said to you yeah. today, Steve, you know, what a guy, you good know, man. He, he, he puts you at ease. But that's something that, was something that I really liked, you know, enjoy talking about the fights, analysing the fights and stuff like that. So, yeah, I was always worried how you can you can come across mumbling or you, you repeat <laughs> yourself. But no, it was good, mate. I enjoyed it. Alex Steedman, the man who looks like a geography teacher, but parties like a rock star, yeah. mate. He yeah. parties, believe me. Oh, Oh, I, went, I, went to, I went to New York with Alex for a, for a week to watch um, Golovkin and Chocolate Tea, so I had a good few nights out around Manhattan with Alex, yeah. Hey, what? Hey, talk well, about... You, never, ju cover. never judge a book by his cover. No, exactly. never. He, he's the king of Ibiza. He's, I don't know <laughs> yeah. how old he is. Every October, he goes to Ibiza for a week with his missus and his mates... Um, and they, they go to the end, the end of the house party season, all the phone parties, giving it loads. Unbelievable. I can believe it. One week, one week you're commentating on the horse, like two worlds apart on the horse race, and then you're in a beef. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fellas, thanks very much for tonight. Cheers, John. Cheers, Robert. Cheers, Cheers everyone Robert. else. Cheers, thanks very much. Nice one, lads. For all boxing info, news, and latest interviews, amateur and pro, across and off, click and subscribe. VIP boxing promotions. Also, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.